Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. The Lord has put on my heart to talk to you about knowing the risen Christ. Knowing the risen Christ. And, uh, you know, we've been getting to know the baby that was born in a manger. You know, a lot of folks got that down pretty good. And, uh, and yet, of course, there's still more revelation to get from that. I, I don't want to ever say that we know as if, like, we know all there is to know about anything about Jesus. But I'm saying we've been getting to know quite well the baby Jesus, the baby that was born in the manger. And then, of course, we've been getting to know real well the one who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus drove out evil spirits and healed people in their bodies. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is exactly how the Father is. And oh, by the way, it's the devil who's behind sickness, disease, infirmity, viruses, corona. It's the devil that is behind these things. God never sends sickness and disease. Some might say, well, I have this Old Testament scripture that says, that's great. Thank God for it. But never go into the Old Testament without the light of the New Testament. It's knowing Christ that gives us the proper understanding of the Old Testament. That's why those who have rejected Christ but cling to the Old Testament, the Bible says there's a veil that lies over. It's over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You can look it up later. But there's a veil that lies over the Old Testament. And, and they can't understand it. They can't see it like they're supposed to see it. But the veil is taken away in Christ. So when we come to the New Testament, when you come to Christ, the resurrected Lord, that's when you, the veil comes off and we're able to understand the Old Testament more fully. And so we understand that it's the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that he's the one responsible for sickness and disease. He tempts people to sin. New Testament tells us in the book of James chapter 1 that when somebody's tempted, they should never say, I've been tempted by God, or God's just tempting me. God's trying to test me. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Bible says, New Testament, never say that. Never say I've been tempted by God. No, the devil in the New Testament is referred to as the tempter. He's the one behind the temptations. He's the one behind the evil things taking place in this world. But Jesus came on the scene. He went about doing good. Good. Not evil. Not bad. Not hurting people. He went about doing good and healing. See, that's a part of the good. Healing those who were oppressed of the devil. That's written over in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by who? The father? No, the devil. The devil's behind these things. And so, you know, we've been studying the word and really getting a hold of that. Getting a hold of that. You need to get a hold of that. 
We've got to stop blaming God for things the devil's doing. And stop giving place to the devil by calling what he's doing God. No, 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 no. We never, we never want to do that. That is, we have to understand the difference between works of the devil and the works of God. And so we're growing in that knowledge. And around here at Life of Faith Bible Church, man, we've been, we've been studying that, studying that, and really getting to know Jesus as our healer, as our deliverer, as the one who went about doing good and healing people and driving out evil spirits. We've also gotten to know him as the one who was betrayed, the one who was tortured, 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 crucified. Uh, we went into great length about that just this past Good Friday in our Good Friday service online. And a lot of you joined in on that. I know a lot of people were touched and, and God really moved in your midst and did some great things in your lives, especially as we partook of communion together. It was a powerful Good Friday communion service. But we looked at Jesus. We got to know him as the crucified Christ, how he was crucified, how he died and he was buried. And, you know, John Peter, James, and John, they saw Jesus transfigured on top of that mountain when Jesus went up to pray. They saw him transfigured there. And, and then, of course, John, you know, he's, we see him at the Last Supper leaning on Jesus. Leaning on Jesus, asking him, who's the one that's going to betray you? I mean, John knew Jesus. But then the day came where John got to know Jesus in a whole new light. He got to know him as the resurrected Christ. And we're going to do the same thing. It's over here in Revelation chapter 1. Why don't you turn with me this morning in your Bibles to Revelation, the first chapter. Notice here in verse 12. Then I, this is John. Remember, this is John, the one that leaned on Jesus at the Last Supper. I mean, he knew Jesus. He, John referred to himself in the Gospel of John as the disciple whom the Lord loved. I mean, uh, he was real confident in God and Jesus' love for him. And he really got to know the Lord very well. I mean, walked with him for those three years. Watched all the healings, the miracles, the amazing things. But now, Jesus, of course, has risen from the dead. John is on this island called Patmos. And the Bible says in verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. He heard a voice behind him. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And then in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. In other words, when he spoke, it was like a sharp two-edged sword that came out of his mouth. 
His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Notice this. Jesus appears to John. John and Jesus have had a very, very close, intimate relationship with each other. John was so comfortable in Jesus' presence that again we see him leaning on Jesus at the Last Supper. But now, He has a vision and he sees Jesus as the risen Christ. He sees the resurrected Son of God. He's no longer looking at the carpenter's son. He's no longer looking at just the Son of Man. He's looking at God. He's looking at God. And he is so overwhelmed that he falls to the ground like a dead person. I mean, he fell like he was dead. Before who? Before someone that he was very comfortable with. Someone that he had gotten to know very well. I mean, he was the closest one to Jesus there when when Jesus stood before the high priest. And was being abused by the high priests. He was the one that was standing right there at the foot of the cross. All the other disciples were hiding. John was right there. He was close enough to Jesus for Jesus to speak to him. And Jesus spoke to him concerning his mother. That John should take his mother. He said to his mother, behold thy son. Referring to John. So so John was bold. John wasn't running and hiding like everybody else. John was right there. I mean, he had run, but yet he was up close to Jesus. The whole time he was being accused and being crucified. He was comfortable with the Lord. But now he sees the Lord on this day in a whole new light. He sees the resurrected Christ. And you and I, Need to see Jesus this way as well. That's why it's recorded in the Word of God. We've gotten pretty comfortable with knowing Jesus. The natural side of Jesus. Well, we'll say the supernatural side of Jesus. Where he went about doing good and he was anointed of the Holy Spirit. And he walked as an example for you and I on this earth. He taught us how to live our life, how to walk. And and we've been following him, getting to know him. But now look at him. Look at him now. See what John saw. See it right here. Oh, that our eyes would be enlightened. That we would see. Let's look at it. Let's look at him just again. Let's, let's, Let's try to get the picture. He says he was clothed with a garment down to the feet in verse 13. 
girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. What does that look like? I mean, his eyes look like they're on fire. Imagine him looking at you. You know, the day's going to come where you're going to see him. And he has, this is how we're going to see him. We're going to see him as the resurrected Christ. We're going to see him as God. In a human body, but a glorified body. And his eyes are like fire. And what's awesome about this is that by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in us. Bible says we're in him and he is in us. The Bible declares in 1 John that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What does he look like? What do you have in you? The baby Jesus? Carpenter's son? Jesus went about doing good? Healing people? That wouldn't be bad. Friend, you have this Jesus right here. This Jesus is the one that's living on the inside of you. This resurrected Christ. This one whose eyes are like flames of fire. That's what's in us. You know, I've shared this story before. It bears repeating because there's revelation in it. But uh, when I went out to Bible school, I got a job at a certain restaurant as a waiter. And um, when I first got the job, you know, you're trying to learn the, the, the register and, and the food items. And there's, there's quite a bit to, to learn and understand. And there was this one guy there. He'd been there a long time. Big burly guy. Wore a cowboy hat. And he had bulging eyes. That's how I remember and he was walking around with his suspenders on, and he just, from the very beginning, just started giving me a hard time. And so, you know, they send me out to wait on tables and things like that, and I'm, I'm just learning it, you know. I'm not feeling very secure in my, in my position yet. And this guy is just giving me a hard time. He's like, hey, hey, you forgot those dishes back there. Go pick up those dishes. And it seemed like, you know, he had it in good with the, with the manager and things, so I felt like I needed to, you know, listen to him. I'm the new guy, right? So I'm, I go back at the dishes, and he's just kind of bossing me around. Well, now it's a Friday night. The place is packed. And he comes up to me. I'm running around, you know, kind of like a chicken with his head cut off. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, you know, remember everything and pick up food and just do a good job. And I walk past him, and he looks at me. And he says, I don't know what it is about you, but I don't like you. And I'm going to get you fired. I thought, oh, this is just great, you know. I, I just nodded my head and just walked on. And it just kept going all through the night. And, and finally, I went over to, to pick up my food in the kitchen to bring to a table. And I, I went over and I said, Lord, if you don't do something about this, I'm not, I'm not going to keep working here. I'm going to I'm have to quit. I can't keep doing this. It was just too much pressure. And the Spirit of God on the inside of me, the greater one, the spirit of Jesus Christ rose up on the inside of me. And these words came so strongly to my mind. You know, the Bible tells us that, our th- that his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so that's how we can tell when he's talking to us. Because a thought came to me that it wasn't my thing. I'm thinking about quitting. I'm thinking about giving up. I'm feeling kind of hopeless and overwhelmed right now. 
But this thought rose up and it had such a strong conviction to it. And he said this to me. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in him. Stare at him. I mean, I knew God said that to me. Again, I didn't hear a voice or anything, but that was his thought. And it came with me just like that. It was as strong as that. I picked up that tray of food. I turned the corner, came walking around. This, uh, you know, guy is, is standing there. This guy's been harassing me. He's standing there at the doorway with somebody else. And I see him nudge him. And he says, watch this, you know. And so I, I walk up. And he says something to me. I don't know what he's saying as I'm turning the corner. He says something to me. And I stopped and I turned around. And I just looked at him. I didn't try to give an intimidating look or anything. I just looked at him. But I looked at him in faith, knowing that the greater one on the inside of me was looking through the windows of my eyes into the spirit that was behind his eyes because he had an evil spirit. And I knew that Jesus was looking at him and not just me. Because according to the flesh, I mean, you know, he had it over me. But I just looked at him in the spirit, knowing that he whose eyes are like flames of fire were shooting out and looking at the devil that was behind the eyes of this guy. And he looked at me like this. When he saw me stop, look at him, he, got, he went like this. His eyes got even bigger. I mean, like twice the size, you know. He got even bigger, and he went, just like that. He started blinking. He shook his head, and that was it. And I just walked off, and I knew. I just walked around the corner, like, woo, glory to God. I knew God just did something. God just did something to the devil that was operating in him. And so sure enough, you know, I waited on table. He never bothered me again for the rest of the night. And then I came back uh, around the corner later on, you know, and he walked up. He goes, he goes, you know, I don't know why I was giving you such a hard time. He said, I don't know what it was, why I didn't like you. You're not such a bad guy after all. And next thing you know, he starts asking me about the Bible school and stuff. I mean, he was, the guy was delivered. I mean, he completely changed. And all I did was look at him in faith, knowing that he whose eyes are like a... I mean, think about how scary that must have been to the devil. I mean, the devil, probably just like John, just passed out dead when I looked at him. Now, you know, according to the natural, there wasn't much to see there. But according to the spirit. See, that's who's in us. So when the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, this is who's in you. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, I got news for you. Today, he is the risen Christ, risen King, risen Lord of Lords. That's who he is right now. That's who he is in you and I. So powerful. So powerful. You know, if, if it was just he had just, you know, human eyes, you know, he just looked like the way he looked on the earth. It, it probably wouldn't have done anything to those demons. Probably wouldn't have shook them up. But you see, Jesus' eyes are like flames of fire. He's not, he doesn't just look human anymore. He is glorious. He is awesome. He is spectacular. Spectacular. As we're seeing right here. You know, if you go over to Isaiah chapter 53. 
and hold your place in Revelation because I think we'll, we'll keep coming back to that. Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah talks about Jesus and his earthly time here on the earth. He's looking ahead, of course, by the Spirit. He sees Jesus and he describes him here in Isaiah 53. This is well before, hundreds of years before Jesus actually was born in the earth. But he describes him perfectly all throughout, this, all throughout this chapter. It's amazing. And it says in verse 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him. Jesus shall grow up before God the Father as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, there is no magnificence, no splendor, nothing awesome or amazing about him according to the flesh, according to the natural. Nothing like just beautiful about him that would cause people to desire him, cause people to be drawn to him. You know, a lot of times you see these artist renderings of, of Jesus, you know, and he's got that halo around his head. You know, and he, he walked around and he had that halo around his head and had that glow. And, but here the prophet said, no, he just, he just looked ordinary. There was nothing spectacular about him at all. In fact, fact it, even, it even says here that there's no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he wasn't even like really attractive. I'm not saying he was a bad looking guy. I don't know. But, but the Bible doesn't make an issue out of it. Doesn't make it like, you know, he was like this really gorgeous person. There's nothing about him that would attract you to him. That's what the Bible, how the Bible describes him. Verse 3. He is despised. What does that mean? He's treated lightly. He's treated as common. He's treated as nothing really important. I mean, you know, if you were riding your horse and, and Jesus was sitting on his donkey and, and, and then at the crossroad there and, and he went through the stop sign, you, you know, you'd probably be like, hey, get out of the way. Get out of the way. And just march around him. Not even realizing who you just marched around. Not even just realize who you just who just yelled at. You just yelled at the one that created you. The one that is responsible for the creation of the world. Wow. But it was easy to overlook him. He was it was easy to not recognize who he was. Nothing special about him. He was despised and rejected by men. Think about it, even, even the, all the glorious things he did do. In the end, he was rejected. In the end, they had no problem slapping him, spitting on him, abusing him, beating him, crucifying him. He was like trash to them. Rejected. And it's amazing how he let them do these things to him. He let them... Be ignorant concerning who he was. It's amazing. He didn't try to prove himself. 
Didn't rise up and say, do you know who you're messing with right now? Do you know who you're messing with? You know, you'd think you'd just be tempted just a few times just to hit the switch just for a second. Say, let me just show you something. And just, you know, let the real Jesus come forth, right? Cries of fire, glory, all these things. I mean, it, it, it took major self-control for him to contain himself, contain that glory. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. We did not look up to him. We didn't think he was any big deal. But what happens if Jesus came into the earth like we see him over here in the book of Revelation? What happens if he came to the earth earth like that? Again, back in Revelations chapter 1. Man, his, his hair is as white as snow, his eyes like flames of fire. That's quite a contrast. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. Wow. His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength, the Bible says in verse 16 in the latter part. Think about that. His face was like the sun shining in its strength. Even now, when you look up at the sun in the sky, you can't, you can't look at it. If you try to look at it, you could really hurt your eyes. You could damage your eyes. He created that. I like to say the sun and all the suns in the universe are like spitballs to him, you know. I get to talking and sometimes, you know, there's things that I don't mean for it to happen, but sometimes there's, there's liquid that comes out. And so, you know, but when God speaks, suns, stars, galaxies, planets are created. I mean, this is who he is. He is absolutely awesome. He is God. And it might be some people don't, don't realize it. They say, no, he's the son of God. Well, if you go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says it this way. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And then you jump over to verse 12 or verse 15, and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word became flesh. And who is the word? He was in the beginning with God, and he was God, and all things were created through him, and nothing was made without him. And he became flesh. He took on human form. He became like you and I. But he is God. And I got news for you today. He is risen from the dead. And though he retains a physical human body, it is glorified. And now it is 100% God in human form. Just God all over him. God coming through him. Jesus is God. He is awesome. He is amazing. That's 
what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's thinking on the resurrected Christ. Christmas, we talk about the baby Jesus. We talk about his birth in the manger. We talk about those the beginning days of his life and then how he grew up and became a child and was in the temple and, and was there with the teachers in the temple. And then we see him later on in life being baptized by John in the Jordan River and we see him going forth doing the healings and the miracles. Then we see him being betrayed, crucified, buried, dies, buried, And then we talk about he rose from the dead and we don't really look and see him as now he actually is today. His face is like the sun shining in its brightness. The Bible says that no man can look at God and live. He is so overwhelming, so overwhelming that your physical body couldn't even handle him. Couldn't even handle him. You know, uh, they talk about nuclear weapons. And if a nuclear bomb was, was dropped, you can be miles and miles away. And yet, if you were in close enough range to it, you'd be vaporized. If you were further back, maybe you wouldn't get vaporized, but you'd be blinded if you were looking in the direction of the light, the blast of that nuclear bomb. We're talking about something that's way beyond nuclear power. We're talking about glory. We're talking about the power of the glory of God. We're talking about the awesomeness of the Almighty. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're wanting to get a hold of today. That's the revelation we're looking for today. Oh, that he enlightened the eyes of our understanding that we'd know him. That we'd know him. And we'd know him according to that resurrection power. We want to know him in this light. Understand, this is the God we serve. We're not serving someone weak and pitiful. Though he came in human form. And was so humble and so meek among us. Yet now he is risen. Still meek, still humble. But he's amazing. God is amazing. And that's what we're we're looking for. We're meditating on it. Because we want that revelation. We want to see him in this light right here. That he's so awesome. That John who hung out with him fell as dead at his feet. He was completely overwhelmed by him. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is described in verse 18. He says, To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. Notice, he's saying, I got something to say to the church here. And I want the church to understand who is talking to them. I want them to understand that the one whose eyes are like a flame of fire and whose feet are like fine brass, that's the one that's talking to them. So in other words, it'd be good for them to heed what he says. Heed what he says. See, we have to understand, we get in the word of God, this is who's talking to us. And it'll cause us to have a fear of God, to be in awe of God, to respect God. We're not going to 
despise him. Like Isaiah the prophet talked about. While Jesus walked around looking like one of us, you know, people easily despised him, overlooked him. We're not going to do that. We're going to recognize who he is. This is who's talking to us. This is the one you and I are going to stand before someday. The Bible says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Talking to Christians. It's in the book of Corinthians. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. In other words, how did, how did we live our lives as Christians while we were here in the body? How did we live our life? The Bible says we're going to stand before him and give an account of our Christian lives. Did we live the way he told us to live? Did we follow his example? Did we follow his teachings or did we do our own thing? We want to follow, we want to be following him because the day's going to come where we're going to stand before him. And that's who we're going to answer to. His eyes are like a flame of fire. He's awesome. He's overwhelming. He's overwhelming. I wouldn't want to be a sinner and stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I wouldn't want to be a, a, a person that knew him, got saved, but then just did my own thing and then stand before the judgment seat of Christ because he is severe. He is fierce. You know, and the Bible tells us that we need to behold both the goodness and severity of God. We have to have the balance. Know, know him according to both. Like Brother Aaron up here earlier was talking about, he went into the grave a lamb, but he came out a lion. He came out a lion. He's not just a lamb. He's a lion. We got to get, get to know both, both sides of Jesus, especially the lion, because that's who he is right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, and that's the one we're going to face on Judgment Day. So the Bible says, those who know these things, they purify themselves. Those that are expecting to stand before him, they purify themselves even as, even as he is pure. They're not afraid to be refined by his word. They want everything that's not right out of their life so that they're refined and they're cleaned and they're washed and they can stand before him who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose face is like the sun looking at us saying, well done. Good and faithful servant. Huh. <laughs> to hear him say that in all that glory is going to be awesome. And praise God, that's what we are going to hear when we stand before him because we are going to do things right. Can you say amen? So notice this. John sees him. He falls down and he's like, he's like dead. And Jesus says to him in, in verse 17, Revelation 1, verse 17, the latter part. It says, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Notice he tells John, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. John, such fear overwhelmed him that he fell down as dead. And a lot of times, fear will cause symptoms of death. It, 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 I mean, there's been people, because of fear, having panic attacks, they thought they were having a heart attack. 
They thought something else was wrong with them physically. Fear has the effects on a person as, as though they're dying. Fear so gripped John that it was like he was dead. He had all the symptoms of a dead person. He looked like a dead person. He wasn't actually dead, but he looked like a dead person. Jesus raised him up, and he immediately dealt with that fear. God doesn't want you walking in fear. He wants you to fear him, but he doesn't want you walking through life in the fear of death, afraid of dying. He doesn't want us to have any of that kind of fear. Jesus will always seek to remove fear from our life. And so to do that, he raises John up and he says these words to him. He says, I am the first and the last. There's a lot of comfort in that. When you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you understand he's the first. He's the one that started this thing. You didn't. You didn't decide the day you were going to be born. You didn't decide to come into this world. You didn't start this thing. And guess what? If you didn't start this thing, then you're not the one that's going to complete it. You're not the one that's going to end it. He's the first. He's the last. He's the one that gave you life and got you this far. I mean, he, he got you out of your mother's womb. He, he formed you there, and then he got you out of that. That's a pretty amazing thing. And he's been developing you all these years. He's gotten you to this place. He's the one doing the work. The Bible says he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He started it. He's going to complete it. He's the one that brought you into this earth. He formed you in your mother's womb. You didn't form yourself. So when somebody comes up to you and says, you have such beautiful eyes. Don't say thank you. Say praise God. You didn't do it. Unless you went out and bought contacts that have nice colors in it. I understand that. But he gets all the glory. He's the one that formed your eyeballs. He's the one that put the hair on your head. For most of you. I know that doesn't apply to everybody right now. But he's the one that, that, that birthed you into this world. You didn't do it. So why now all of a sudden would we take the cares of this life and try to keep ourselves alive? Try to act like we started this thing and now we got we to keep it going. No, no, I didn't start this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I'm glad I got it. I'm glad I'm alive. But I never asked for it. It was his idea. And so I believe he's got a plan. He put me in this earth for a reason. He's got a plan. So if he, if he did that, then he'll just have to finish the plan. See, that's faith in him. Faith in him allows you to rest and allows God to work his best in your life. That's what faith does. It allows you to rest and allows God to work his best in your life. Rest in him. Fear rises up, tries to save itself. Tries to say, and thus exhausts itself, wears itself out, causes itself to have panic attacks, causes itself to become susceptible to death. That's all fear does. It only causes trouble. Worry only causes problems. We don't have to worry. Life was never our idea to begin with. And then when it comes to being saved from our sins, we couldn't do that either ourselves. 
Jesus came. He became our sin. When we weren't asking him to do it. We weren't looking to be saved. But he came and he saved us. He came, he took our sins. He died our death. He rose victoriously over death, hell and the grave. And then he revealed ourselves, revealed himself to us. And now we're saved. Praise God. He began the new birth too. He began that. We didn't do it. So if we didn't do it, we're not the ones that are going to finish it. If we didn't start it, we're not going to complete it. He's going to complete the work that he's begun. He's the first and he'll, he's the last. He's the one that wraps it all up. He's going to help wrap up our life in this world. And he's going to wrap it up wonderfully. Now we get in the way. We might die prematurely. Well, thank God, at least we got heaven if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But he doesn't want us to die prematurely. He wants us to finish out our days. He wants us to fulfill every phase of what he has for us to do in life. Let him do it. Hey, if you can can get this thing started and take nothing and make something, and here I am, and and you can get me saved, and you can do this, and you can can straighten me up and fix me up and clean me up, and and you you can wrap it up. You can wrap up my life really good. Lord, I'm going to let you wrap up my life. Praise God forever. In other words, I'm going to rest and trust in you. You're the first. You're the last. It deals with the fear of death. It deals with the fear of death. No fear. Because the responsibility of life isn't on you. It's on him. I trust him with my life. And in trusting him with my life, I just yield to him and follow him. Just do what he says. Follow his leading in life. And I just obey him. That's just what we do. And he does the work. Praise God. God's working in you. He's the first and the last. And notice what else Jesus said. He said, I'm the first and the last. Verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead. Notice that. He says, John, notice, I'm alive. But remember, I was dead. You don't have to be afraid of death, John. Look, look at me. And I'm your Lord. I'm your Savior. I'm your Redeemer. Death didn't stop me. And it's not going to stop you. Because I'm for you, not against you. I'm alive from the dead. Glory to God. We don't have to be afraid of death. Jesus conquered it. Jesus whipped it. He showed that he is greater than death and he is in you. He is in me. And and then he said, I'm alive forevermore. I'm alive forevermore. In other words, death will never stop him. And he's going to live forever. You and I, through him, have the same Life that he has. We have unceasing, absolute fullness of life. Eternal life. We've already passed from death to life. We're going to live forever. The Bible tells in Revelation chapter 12 that the devil knows his time is short. Our time is not short. So he says, well, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah, but our time is not short. Now, down here, living here. 
isn't forever. But we will live forever. We will live forever. And we will live in a place that is perfect, absolutely wonderful. That's where we're headed. This is just another thing that addresses the fear of death. We don't want any of the fear of death in our life because when we're walking in the fear of death, we are subject to bondage. We make ourselves susceptible to the devil to bring different forms of death in our life, sickness and disease and things like that. See, we don't have to fear viruses. We don't have to fear sicknesses because Jesus conquered all these things. He conquered all these things for us and now he is for us and he is in us and he is with us. So, so that drives out the fear of death. And then he said this in verse 18. I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. He has the keys of Hades and death. I looked up the word Hades, and uh, it can be translated hell, grave, or the unseen realm. Jesus has the keys to death, to hell, The grave and the unseen realm. Talking about that demonic realm. The realm of evil spirits. Because it's all associated with hell and death and the grave. So that's the unseen realm that it's talking about there. Jesus has the keys. What do you do with keys? Well, you use keys to lock things up or open things up. Jesus says, I got the keys. And And guess what? Not only does Jesus have the keys, but because you and I are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, we have the keys. That's why he foretold this was going to happen to his disciples in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Over in Matthew, chapter 16. Notice what it says here. In verse 19. Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Notice, I will give you, because he doesn't have them yet. But he's going to have them after he rises from the dead. That's when he gets the keys. That's when he conquers death, hell, and the grave. And he takes the keys, which represent authority. If you got the keys, then you've got the authority. If you got the keys to my car, you have the authority to drive it. If you have the keys to my house, then you have the authority to come into my house. Jesus has the keys over death, hell, the grave, all evil spirits. He's got the keys, and he can lock them out. They can't just come in to our house. We don't leave open doors for the devil. We use the keys. And notice, we have the keys. He says here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Once I have them, after I rise from the dead, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Praise God. The keys to the kingdom to bind and loose so we can bind the devil in our life. We can bind the works of the devil. Cut off his ability to work in our life when we use the keys. This is what makes praying so much fun. I mean, I, I, I just, I love praying. I love getting with God. And I love using my keys. Because I let the devil know what he can't do in my city. I let the devil what he, know what he can't do. See, I have authority 
in this place. I've got the keys. And I've got the authority in the name of Jesus over all evil spirits that would try to wreak havoc in this city. I got authority over viruses. I got authority over sicknesses. I got authority over all kinds of demons that would try to influence people to do things that would be oppressive to the church. But I can go into prayer and I can say, no, you don't. And I can lock the door on that devil. And I can say, no, you don't. I can cut him off. I can shut him down. And at the same time, see, I got the keys to the kingdom. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I got these keys, and I can unlock righteousness. I can lock up the wickedness. Uh-uh. No, wicked one. Uh-uh. No, I forbid you from operating in that, in that politician. I command you to cease and desist in your maneuvers and operations against this city, against our churches, against our lives. In Jesus' name, I lock you up. And the Lord will lead us to pray things out, to be able to... Uh, just shut down the works of the devil. Shut him down. And then unlock righteousness. Unlock righteous judges. Unlock righteous leaders. Unlock righteousness in our own life. Praise God. Unlock the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. Unlock, right, unlock peace. Unlock the peace. Trouble. Worry. 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 Lock that up. Shut that down. Use your authority. Use your keys. Unlock peace. Unlock joy. I just keep that unlocked all the time. Hallelujah. Sometimes I go back into the, into the, into the deeper vault of the kingdom, and I'll unlock some extra peace and some extra joy. You know, whatever I feel like I need it, praise God. I'll unlock some of that joy for others too. <laughs> Hallelujah. I might just do it right now. Praise God. Let that joy just come into your home right now. Let it be a blessing to you. Get happy. Get happy. Jesus is alive. Righteousness, joy, peace. In the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's all part of the kingdom. That's all part of the keys. Unlock the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, he's referred to in the Bible as counselor. Unlock the counselor. Come into his presence. Receive counsel. From Almighty God. Oh, man. The Bible says those who, those who seek the Lord understand all. I mean, you've got the counsel of God available to you. But you've got to use your authority. You've got to use the name of Jesus. You've got to know what belongs to you. You've got to know your inheritance. And you've got to unlock these things. Jesus has given these things to us as an inheritance. He went and got them for us. He gave them to us. We should never allow anything of death, anything of hell to dominate our life. There's no excuse for it. We're not going to allow these things to dominate us. We're going to put these things in their place. Praise God. If you believe in the resurrected Christ, then receive the keys. Receive the keys of the kingdom from him. Let it drive out all fear. We don't have a worry in the world. We got Jesus. We got Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Eyes of fire. Fine brass feet. Face brighter than the sun. Come on. 
We're talking about the awesomeness of the Almighty. That, that's who's with us. You know, this world, with the help of the devil, is always trying to play God down and build the devil up. The devil is someone we're supposed to fear, you know. He's scary. He's fierce. He's awesome. He's terrifying. And then we think about God's angels, you know. We think about demons, man. They're monsters. But when we think about angels, we got these, you know, cute little cupids, you know. We got these little babies. And they got the diapers on. They got a little bow and arrow. And, they're, and I don't know what they're doing with the arrow. And they're just shooting. You know, they shoot these little arrows. And you got these little cute. And, and I remember even, even growing up, you know, in, in a fairly religious home. It, you know, there was a statue of Mary. And I, I remember a statue. There were angels at Mary's feet. And there were these little babies. There were all these little babies with wings. <laughs> and meanwhile, the devil's mean. He's bad. He's bad. Friends, the opposite way around. The truth of the matter is, as we get to know the risen Christ in his glory, as we get to know him, then we will have no fear of the devil because we have gotten to know him who is fiercely awesome and amazing and overwhelming. So overwhelming it knocked John over as a dead man. When you're able to stand unafraid in the presence of him. And you turn around and you look at a devil. Come on. It's as nothing to you. It's as nothing to you. Demons are as nothing. There's nothing in this world that will ever cause you to be afraid. After you've been able to stand in the presence of the almighty king of kings and lord of lords. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. We need to lift our vision higher. I believe that's what God is doing in us today. He's bringing us up higher to see Jesus in a whole new light. Let me read from the Amplified Bible real quickly. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, but in the Amplified. It says, And the ever-living one, living in and beyond all time and space, That's who Jesus is. The ever-living one living in and beyond all time and space. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of absolute control and victory over death and of Hades, the realm of the dead. That's the Amplified. I have the keys of absolute control and victory over death and of Hades, and the realm of the dead. And guess what? He says, behold, I give you the keys. I give you the absolute control and victory over death, and of Hades, the realm of the dead. I remember one time I was lying in bed years back, and I just started to wake up, and I heard these words on the inside of me. It was the Lord speaking to me. And these words came up, Nobody takes my life from me. And I was reminded of what Jesus said. You know, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. Uh, he, he didn't die a victim. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't just overcome by evil people. He laid his life down. He was putting that in me. I have the same keys over death. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. As long as we stay in faith, we can have that same attitude. I got the keys. Nobody takes my life from me. Corona's not going to take my life from me. Sickness isn't going to take my life from me. Man is not going to take my I might lay my life down as a martyr or something like that, but I'm not going to, my life's not going to be taken from me. 
See, because I have authority, absolute control over these things, over death, over a hell. In other words, all the influence of, of hell and, and that unseen realm of all evil spirits. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. And we've got absolute control authority over the grave. Glory to God. We're not worried about the end of our physical bodies because we know when Jesus returns, we're going to get even that back ourselves. We're going to be just like him. Our bodies, our bodies will be raised from the dead. This corruptor will put on incorruption and we'll be just like him, shining like the sun in his glory. Amen. Praise God. That's what we got to look forward to. Thank God what we have now and what we can walk in today. Let's walk in the power of the resurrection, the power of the risen Christ. Let's see Jesus in this light. When you pray, close your eyes. Think about him like this. Picture him like this. Meditate on him and him in all his glory. And I'll tell you what, it'll raise up your faith. It'll strengthen you just like with John. He was comfortable with Jesus, but then when he saw him like this, he was overwhelmed. He had to learn to stand up and be unafraid in the presence of the glory of Jesus. And that's what you and I have to learn to do also. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Say it again. Say he's alive, alive. Alive forevermore. Come on, let's just thank him right now. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth. Thank you for revealing to us the risen Christ, Jesus. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.